With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a joint episode of Niners Notebook and Raiders Wrap, the San Francisco Chronicles 49ers and Raiders podcasts, respectively. My name is Matt Kawahara. I'm the Raiders beat writer for the Chronicle, and uh, I'm here today with Eric Branch, the 49ers beat writer. Eric, how's it going? I'm doing well. Nice to uh, be joining you, Matthew. You too. And from uh, different parts of the country, I'm in Mobile, Alabama this week uh, for the Senior Bowl. Just got in today where the 49ers and Raiders coaches are coaching the uh, the South and North teams for the College uh, Prospect Showcase. And Eric is back in the Bay Area. And we're going to be talking about what happened on uh, on day one of Senior Bowl practices today. They had the weigh-in for the prospects. They had media day. Um, and there was a little bit of news from, from both sides, from the 49ers and the Raiders regarding their coaching staff. So we'll get into all of that uh, right after this short break. Welcome back to this episode of Niners Notebook and Raiders Wrap. Uh, so Eric, I guess just to start it off, um, both coaching staffs uh, are missing a quarterbacks coach right now. The the 49ers uh, obviously parted with Rich Scangarelli. He was hired by the Broncos uh, to be their new offensive coordinator. And John Gruden announced today that the Raiders need a new quarterbacks coach after Brian Callahan uh, is apparently going to be leaving to become the new offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals um, when they hire their new uh, head coach, Zach Taylor, after the Super Bowl. So, Eric, I guess we'll start with the Niners. Uh, when you're looking at the way that whole uh, episode went down with Scangarello, where they first didn't allow the Broncos to interview him and then changed their minds and, and, and let, that, uh, let that happen, how, how did you see that play out? Well, I thought it was interesting. I, I guess for starters, you know, talk about a, a huge rise for Scangarello. Two years ago, 2016, he was the offense coordinator at Wagner College. Um, and... I needed to look up where Wagner College is. Uh, so <laughs> to go from that uh, to be, now be the Broncos offensive coordinator is, is quite a leap. And he did it in part because, you know, last year, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he was traded midseason. Um, and he created, credited Scangarello a lot for, you know, getting him up to speed with the 49ers offense and the playbook. And then it led them, uh, you know, Garoppolo leads them to a five and Oh, finish after their one and 10. So I think Scangarello, you know, came out looking, looking okay, uh, with that. And then Scangarello was the guy who championed Nick Mullins, who, you know, huh. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, when they brought him in for a pre-draft visit last year, they were laughing because he was so tiny and he looked like Scangarello. So they were like, are you sure you are not related to Nick Mullins? Is that why you like this guy so much? So they were really, uh, and none of the NFL was that high on Nick Mullins. He was undrafted from Southern Miss, not huge, doesn't have a big arm. But then Nick Mullins, you know, you know, come, you know, starts the season on the practice squad, uh, you know, and, and then ends up having, you know, you know, certainly, you know, based on what people are expecting, an unbelievable, you know, eight starts with the Niners. So 
I think that explains, you know, how he got from Washer College to, to the to the Broncos. It was interesting. I know, uh, you know, uh, Shanahan, you know, said they they'd initially declined, you know, the interview request from the Broncos because of the fact, um, you know, they weren't sure it, he was going to be truly a, a play caller, you know, have those responsibilities and off as an offensive coordinator. Was it just going to be a title? And he wouldn't have those responsibilities. Um, and, and I'm sure there, there's an element of truth to that. Uh, you know, there all, also is a very close relationship between Niners general manager John Lynch and Broncos general manager John Elway. And, uh, you know, when Lynch was first hired last year, Elway let Adam Peters, one of the now one of the Niners, you know, top executives, get out of his contract so he could go with Lynch and help Lynch as he as he learned the ropes of a GM. So I don't know this, but it would make sense that, you know, the Niners said, No, you cannot talk to Scangarello. <laughs> and then John Elway said, Hey, remember, uh remember John, you know, what I did for you last year? That may or may not have happened, but um Anyway, it is a bit of a loss for for the 49ers, but they do have some, you know, other guys on staff that could, um, you know, uh, fill, fill that role. As far as the Raiders, uh, you know, what was the big news as far as, you know, their their staff uh, that came out today? Well, it was the quarterback's coach thing, too. Uh, then, And this was something that hadn't happened earlier. Uh, John Gruden just sort of announced toward the end of the media session that he was having on the podium Um that Brian Callahan won't be back with the organization for a second season. He will be leaving to be the the Bengals' new offensive coordinator. And uh, he actually, it was interesting, he acknowledged because while Callahan was the quarterback's coach and Derek Carr referenced him a few times through, over the course of the season as, as helping him through, uh, when, as he was progressing into lo- uh, learning John Gruden's offense for the first season, uh, it, you know, Gruden is a quarterbacks guy. That's he's the offense, uh, the offensive play caller. It's his offense. He knows it best. Greg Olson, who is there as the his title is offensive coordinator. He's another quarterbacks guy. So you had those two guys, and then you had Callahan, and that made for a pretty crowded quarterbacks room during meetings. And and Gruden actually acknowledged today, or he said he, he wasn't sure if he maybe had sort of too many cooks in the kitchen going on there. Um, so he didn't specifically say that they're going to hire somebody to replace Callahan as a quarterback's coach. Uh, he did say that, you know, they'll be looking at potential assistance to bring in maybe even at the, uh, at the combine. But for now it sounds like it's going to be sort of the Gruden and Olsen working directly with the quarterbacks. At least that's the way that it looked during practice today with the North team where Olsen was running the quarterbacks uh, through drills and, and he, you know, was, was definitely the most hands-on in, in that area. So um, a little bit of change on, on both coaching staffs. One thing I wanted to, uh, to ask about Shanahan, though, was, like you said, he, the way that he ex- explained sort of his about face was that they just needed, he needed a little bit more time to talk about it with both the guys in the 49ers front office. And also he said they reached out to Elway and to Vic Fangio, um, former 49ers guy who, 49ers coach, um, who, and they just wanted to make sure that if uh, if Scangarello did leave, that he was going to be not making a lateral move, that he was going to have play calling uh, responsibilities, that he was actually progressing in his career, and that for Shanahan, it's it's a tough position because he wants to do right by by his coaches and by um, you know the people that he entrusts and and wants to see progress in their career, but he also doesn't want to make moves that hurt the 49ers. 
Um, and so he has to sort of straddle that line. And there were a couple of assistant coaches, other assistant coaches, uh, where he declined requests for, for teams to interview them. And I was just wondering, if, from what you've observed from him, if you see sort of him being that conscientious when it comes to, you know, members of his staff, whether he'll weigh both the, the human aspect of it um, or knowing these guys are trying to turn to get to maybe the, the role that he has right now. And also just knowing that he has to, he has this responsibility to the, uh, to the organization as well. Yeah. This is kind of the first time it's come up. It really wasn't an issue so much last off season. Um, and now, you know, with uh, the run game coordinator is his title, Mike McDaniel, and then the pass game coordinator, Michael Fleur, you know, they were both, um, the Niners denied permission for multiple teams to interview both of them for coordinator positions, which, you know, I don't think they would have had that, that play co- calling responsibility you talked about. Um, it does speak to the fact that um, teams are trying to raid the coaching staff of a 4-12 and team, <laughs> which, is, which is unusual. It does speak to the fact that the Niners' offense was competent um, if not better in some areas, you know, despite the fact that for 13 games, uh, you know, they started either C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins. Um, and, you know, they threw for over 4,200 yards. They had 26 uh, touchdowns. It wasn't all perfect. Uh, they were last in red zone touchdown percentage, for example. Um, but they were doing this with largely a lot of undrafted guys. You know, their top running back was Matt Breida, undrafted. Nick Mullins, as discussed, uh, undrafted. Uh, the wide receiver that led them in receptions uh, in, in yards, Kendrick Bourne, undrafted. I mean, obviously Kittle emerged. He's a fifth-round pick, but obviously, you know, is outperforming that. But anyway, mm-hmm. the, the point being, you know, I think teams are looking at uh, <laughs> what they did with what they had. Uh, and also, obviously, uh, Shanahan uh, is not only connected to Sean McVay, but in, in many ways kind of a mentor uh, Deshaun McVay, who worked under him um, in Washington uh, when Shanahan was the offense coordinator. So, as we all know, anyone with even a, a you know, uh, you know, just a fleeting relationship with Sean McVay is in vogue. And so, you can see why you know this offense, uh, you know, where McVay has taken a lot of the concepts he learned from Shanahan, apply them to the Rams, who are in the Super Bowl. Uh, you can see why, you know, despite the 49ers record, some of these uh, assistants are, are, are really popular. Top qualification for head coaching jobs now in the NFL. Do you know Sean McVay? No, exactly. I mean, have you spoken with him? Have you seen him on TV? Yeah, are you close personal friends? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, as you say, both of these teams did finish 4-12 and last year, and that's the reason that both of their coaching staffs are in Mobile this week, uh, working with these senior prospects. So I guess transitioning into a little bit of, uh, of the Senior Bowl aspect, when you look at the needs that the Raiders and the 49ers have, uh, they seem to be pretty similar in some areas, at least going in, into the offseason. They both are definitely in need of an edge rush. Um, they could probably both use a, a playmaking wide receiver, uh, maybe some help in the defense's secondary. Um, I guess when you look at the 49ers specifically, what what areas do you think they might be, what positions do you think they might be paying particularly close attention to this week? Well, yeah, you mentioned edge rush, and that has to be you know the top priority uh, for them. Uh, it is not a position, and some of it is just a function of what was available in the draft and free agency. But it's really not a position that they've addressed since the new regime came aboard last year. Uh, mm-hmm. So 
Yes, that is a screaming need. Their top edge rusher last year was, uh, you know, Cassius Marsh. Uh, and that is not a name that's probably familiar to the casual <laughs> NFL fan. So that needs to be upgraded uh, with probably more than one, uh, you know, I wouldn't, uh, w- more than one player, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me if they use the number two pick on an edge rusher and also made that a priority in free agency. Um, but yeah, uh, Ruben Foster obviously is no longer the team. Um, they found a good rookie last year. They drafted in the third round Fred Warner. Uh, but he needs a partner there at inside linebacker. They have Richard Short, Sherman at cornerback, and then they've got a lot of question marks uh, and, uh, you know, free safety, um, you know, a, a similar situation, um, and a wide receiver. Uh, so I'm probably missing some positions, but, but those are the ones that are glaring, obvious, and blinking red lights needs. Uh, how about the Raiders? Uh, I know you mentioned there's a – a lot of overlap there. Yeah, no, it's similar. There's, um, I mean, edge rush is the number one, just obviously with the the trade of Khalil Mack, followed by the release of Bruce Irvin halfway through last season. They they didn't they didn't really have uh, an edge rush to speak of, not to mention a pass rush. I mean, they finished with the season with 13 sacks. And when we're down here, we're looking at, uh, I mean, some of the top prospects are guys like, Montez Sweat, who um, he's went to Mississippi State. Uh, some people think he might need to pack on a little little weight. I think he's listed about. I don't. I was not at the official weigh-in this morning. I arrived. My flight landed a little bit too late to get there, but I think he's listed at six six two forty five. People are wondering if he might need to to bulk up a little bit, but he seems to be the consensus top edge rush prospect who's out here this week. Um, he's on the South team with the, with the 49ers coaching staff. Uh, another intriguing guy though, that's, uh, also on that South team is a guy from Louisiana tech, uh, Jalen Ferguson, who I believe had 17 and a half sacks last year and actually left Louisiana tech as the all time career, uh, FBS and FCS leader in sacks. I think he broke Terrell Suggs record, um, over his, over his career there. So there are definitely a couple intriguing edge guys to come off the uh to, to i mean to keep an eye on this year uh one funny thing for raiders fans about ferguson is he was asked today who he models his game after and he said cleo mack so <laughs> if you <laughs> if you're looking for a replacement i don't know if it's going to be an exact fit but at least the guy knows you know who to watch um, yeah it, it's funny when you ask you know uh draft prospects you know you ask a running back you know <laughs> Who do you model your game after? You know, oh, Todd Gurley. It, you know, it's generally kind of goes like that. Uh, you know, whoever is kind of maybe the best at that position, it seems to be the, who they model their games after. Uh, yeah. the, anyway, it's always a fascinating pre-draft question to pose to these guys. The other, uh, I don't know if this is interesting or just kind of odd, but it seems to be a fairly deep group of quarterbacks here this year. I mean, you have guys like uh, Drew Locke, um, is working with the with the North team uh, from Missouri and uh, Nate or Davis the uh, or I'm blanking on uh, I might not be getting there but there's quarterback here from Duke um, a couple of uh, Trace McSorley from Penn State uh, Finley from North Carolina State I mean guys that a couple of guys that could potentially go uh, in the first round maybe toward the later first round and and then into the middle rounds but um, while both it's a weird dynamic because neither team here needs or currently is in need of a starting quarterback but you are 
coming in with staffs uh, who the head coaches are both pretty strong offensive oriented quarterback guys. And the quarterbacks themselves seem to be pretty excited about working with these coaches this year. I was just wondering if if you think that the 49ers coaches are, are looking at any of these quarterbacks with any sort of intrigue or if it's just kind of who who they're working with this week. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think, you know, as you said, it's not really a need. Obviously, you know, they have Garoppolo and then Mullins, uh, you know, looks like a real capable backup. And. Uh, you know, Shanahan, um, you know, has insisted despite C.J. Beathard's, you know, performance, you know, to this point in his career, uh, you know, that he still really likes him, sees a lot of potential in him. You know, he was a third round pick from last year. So, um, you know, it, it's to a point where it's like, well, can they keep three quarterbacks? Will they have to, you know, try to deal one of those guys? I don't think they can get tons for a Mullins or Beathard. Um, or do they just have to release one? So, yeah, I think they're uh, pretty well stocked. I mean, not that that's like the greatest quarterback room in the NFL, but I just don't see that, you know, given their, all their other needs is something uh, they would, you know, uh, spend a draft pick on. Uh, how about with the Raiders? Yeah, the, I mean, the Raiders, they have Derek Carr in place. Their backup situation is a little bit less determined, though they they have A.J. McCarron under contract for now, but – He's owed a pretty hefty salary for next season that they might not want to pay for a backup. The other guy that they have under contract is Nathan Peterman, who we know about his history with the Bills a little bit. So oh dear, it's possible. Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> and they have quite a few draft picks in this. Uh, in this, I mean, they they pick in every round, and and if they have feel like they've addressed some of their needs early on, I mean, there's the potential that they could look uh, for a possible down the road backup. Um, on uh in, maybe in the middle rounds here and John Gruden I mean he mentioned he's you know you know how he is about quarterbacks but he did mention today that he liked uh he likes Finley um the North Carolina State guy who probably isn't one of the top one or two quarterbacks here but he is a guy that could you know go potentially in those middle rounds and he's got a lot of experience I, I think he was a sixth year senior um so it might be one one name to keep an eye on I guess we're as we're looking ahead here toward the end of the week, or to the rest of the week. What do you what do you think the 49ers coaches are going to be able to get out of this experience? Obviously, Kyle Shanahan has said that it's not one that he relishes or the one that he necessarily wants to have every year because it means you're not in the playoffs. But uh, for for now, uh, the ability to be down here around these prospects, working with them on the field. What do you what do you feel like the 49ers get out of it? Well, it's not like a, a novel concept, but Shanahan's talked about it so much, and uh, you know it's clearly a point of emphasis for him. And you know they're trying to be, uh, you know, bring this new culture and everything uh, to the 49ers, whatever the you know kind of cliche buzzword is. Um, but you know it's really important to him to be able to you know see these guys, uh, you know, not just in a 10 minute interview, which you get at the combine with prospects and. You know, Shanahan has said it takes about eight minutes for them to, you know, you know, act like a normal human being and not, not you know, be listing off the talking points their agents have given them to say to every team. Um, so I think, you know, uh, Shanahan has said, you know, in a situation like this where you're with them for a week, you kind of get to see who these guys really are. Uh, maybe some guys can fake it through a week, uh, but by and large, he thinks you know, he can get a sense for who they are as people, uh, you know, work ethic. 
uh, you know, passion, things like that. So I do think he, he finds it valuable. Um, I know it's not something he, he relishes. I don't think he'd, he'd rather not be in, in Mobile, not just because of the record. I know he said, you know, two of the guys they just hired on their staff as part of, um, you know, recruiting them, you know, he told them, you will not have to go to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. So that kind of is a, gives you insight into, you know, not just Shanahan, but maybe how, how some coaches, uh, you know, feel about, uh, you know, going to Mobile, Alabama right after their season. Mm. Yeah, and for whatever reason, I kind of expected to get down here and have it be at least a little a little balmy, like not cold, but today was today was pretty chilly. It rained a little bit, so I don't know. People might be missing California at this point, but we're going to be here for the rest of the week, and Eric, you and I are going to be talking uh, for the rest of the week. Every day we're going to do one of these and just kind of go over what happened during the day and, and analyze a little bit and uh, anything that comes up, just kind of chat about it. Um, if, you, uh, if you guys are going to tune in, that will be uh, available to be found on the Chronicle website every day. Um, Eric, I think, uh, I think that'll do it for, for this episode, but thank you all for joining us and, and for listening. Again, this has been a joint episode of the uh, Niners Notebook and Raiders Rap podcast. Appreciate you tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next time. Raiders Rap and Niners Notebook are part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. Follow me on Twitter at at Matthew Kawahara and Eric at at Eric underscore branch. Music for Raiders Rap is Ain't No Thing by BOPD. Support all of the San Francisco Chronicle's great sports coverage with a subscription to the print or digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.